Looking for a job isn't easy. It used to be that you could apply at a big name tech company and build a great career for yourself. But times have changed. Many of these companies have gone full woke. And if you aren't the right gender, ethnicity, you don't use pronouns, or if you're not an activist for the preferred cause, then good luck. Why would you risk your career on that? At Red Balloon, we're connecting good employees with top quality companies that value you for your skills and your work ethic, not your social activism score. Employers who post jobs on Red Balloon are focused on creating an enjoyable and productive work culture, free from divisive woke mandates. So if you want to find a serious career path without the nonsense, come to Red Balloon and post your resume today. Because you shouldn't have to choose between your job and your values. That's redballoon.work, where you can find your future. This is a historic moment. Abortion rights are under attack in America. And it's important for all of us to raise our voices. Because abortion rights are pro-choice men's rights. I deserve to be free from any responsibility for some girl I get pregnant. I deserve to enjoy sex without commitment, marriage, or parenthood. It's ridiculous to think that just because I'm the father, I'm expected to be a dad. It's her body, and it's her choice. So don't be asking me for anything. And look, I'm a caring guy. If I get a girl pregnant and then abandon her, I don't want to leave her alone with the kid, especially if she might chase me down for child support. I deserve not to be shackled by kids to a woman my age, so when she gets older, I can upgrade to a younger model. Guys, we're forgetting that abortion is mainly about a man's sexual freedom. A woman's sex drive is far more tied to commitment and procreation than a man's. That's why women's sexuality scares me. Women need to submit to a pro-choice man's view of sex. We need to make women understand that when they become pregnant, they're not really women anymore. I'm not really interested in mothers, except my own, because she pays all my bills. Without abortion, I would have had to get a job. Abortion has allowed my girlfriend to chase her dreams of working 60 hours a week to pay for our bills, while I stay home and chase my dream of becoming a professional gamer, comedian, and social media influencer. Why does she need me to take care of her and the kid anyway? It's the government's job to do that. The role of the government is to make my irresponsible lifestyle sustainable. Abortions keep my girl's body looking right. Stretch marks? Yeah. If I had to take care of a kid, I never would have been able to get my Tesla. My Tesla is my baby. The other side will point out that abortion kills a human being. But my right to impregnate a woman and then leave her in the dust outweighs the baby's right to life. Women need the right to abortion because men deserve it. I deserve a woman's right to abortion. I deserve a woman's right to abortion. I deserve a woman's right to abortion. Abortion is not really about what women want, and it never has been. Abortion is about men, pro-choice men. So ladies, thanks for marching. Because you're not really marching for yourselves. You're marching for us. Thanks for being obedient and submissive to what we want. Abortion rights are pro-choice men's rights. 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 At one time, I even drove my girl down to the clinic for her abortion, because I'm a gentleman. And I make sacrifices like that for women.
they're actually paying people in other states to come across and flying them out, putting them up on hotels and paying for them to have their abortions. So it's, it's wild. If you're in a rural, you know, Kansas and uh, in a state where abortion has been outlawed and you're in a maternity desert and you have some problems with your pregnancy and you can't get maternal prenatal care uh, for your baby, California won't see you. But if you want to slaughter your baby, they'll be more than happy to, uh, to fly you out, put you up in a hotel, and kill your baby for free. Hey everybody, Michael Thiessen here, and you are listening to Open Mic with Michael Thiessen. We're so excited today to have AJ Hurley back on the show. AJ, thanks for coming on the show and, and being with us. My pleasure, brother. Thanks for having me again, man. Yeah, it's great. So everybody, we've got a we've got a great show lined up, and I want to just take this time to remind you that um, our podcasts are produced by Liberty Coalition Canada, and that is uh, our purpose statement is to bring the justice and righteousness. Uh, to Christ, to our culture, and of course, then to defend those who stand. And also, uh, we are co-produced with ChristianWeek.org. So ch- head over to Christian Week and check out that website, uh, which puts up uh, helpful and informative Christian news from all around the world. So AJ, we've got some really interesting things to talk about. Uh, for those of you who have not seen our previous videos with AJ, AJ is a neonatal respiratory therapist turned national pro-life activist. Uh, AJ is a pro-life speaker, organizer, and journalist, and he's worked on several of the largest pro-life organ worked for several of the largest pro-life organizations in the U.S., including Live Action and Survivors of the Abortion Holocaust. So, everybody, that's that's who AJ is, and today we're going to start talking about Beverly Hills. Yes, sir. All right. So take us into the story, AJ, because some of your stories are some of the most fascinating stories I think I've ever heard. <laughs> fascinating. And and I, I think the last time we talked, I had so many people reach out to say that was one of the most serious um, podcasts they've ever heard when we covered the story wow. of you finding those, the, the babies in the boxes. So, yeah. Um, so fascinating, quite a journey. not in a light way. No. Yeah, I know it's been quite a journey, man. It's it's wild. God has been his hand has definitely been on our our life. I think man, it's been one thing after another from I mean, I started this whole journey really getting fired from my job at UCLA for not getting the vaccine, you know, not complying with their vaccine mandates and then here I am never in a million years did I think I would be full-time pro-life activist raising social tension and <clears throat> stirring up the status quo and kind of putting pressure on the abortion industry. But, um, that's what I've been doing. And it's just crazy. Like from the justice for the five and the fetal organ trafficking stuff that we exposed to, I mean, the journey has been really, really wild. And God has just been like kind of opening up one door after another and, and the same process closing them and just, you know, I'm trying to be faithful and trying to just trust him in the process. So 
uh, it's been, it's been pretty wild, been pretty wild, but, um, yeah, man. So we just recently learned, well, about a little under a year ago, we learned that a late term, all term, all trimester abortion clinic was set to open into Beverly Hills. They were trying to get their hooks into Beverly Hills. Beverly Hills, obviously a posh kind of Jewish neighborhood, lots and lots of money. And this DuPont clinic is a really it's a they they market themselves there's a few others mainly in DC but they market themselves to very affluent people communities and uh really just try to it's all a money thing they 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 market all trimester abortions well into the third trimester on on your their website dupontclinic.com you can see their advertising 31 week six days abortion um at their clinic abortions up to that, that period. And so just super deplorable, obviously abortion is deplorable in, in any stage, but, um, you know, even the most, uh, extreme people can be uncomfortable with third trimester abortions. So we got involved and we basically were en- ended up shutting these people down. So, um, there was a few, I, I can go into the, the, kind of background on DuPont a little bit. Um, but uh, basically what we did was started just super intense pro-life activism, uh, centered around raising awareness for this thing. We got a hold of where they were going to come in. We got a hold of the, the other clientele or the, not the clientele, but the, uh, you know, the other tenants in this medical facility that they were going to be set to go into started raising awareness. Obviously, people are very uncomfortable with third trimester abortion. We got a hold of the landlord of this building. We we started raising awareness in the city. We started targeting city council. Very strategic targeted tension of raising awareness campaign about DuPont. And within six months, uh, we got a letter from the landlord saying that they canceled the lease and we shut the whole clinic down. And so it was, it was kind of amazing and providential because this happened at the tail end of are having a huge prayer rally. We organized this prayer rally. There was over a thousand people at this prayer rally to raise awareness and really uh, send a message to Beverly Hills that, uh, the church didn't want this. It was a prayer and worship rally. And the day before our rally, we got the email from the city attorney saying that DuPont would not open. And, uh, so instead of a prayer service petitioning God to shut this place down, it ended up being that we read the announcement at the prayer rally and we shut down the whole clinic and it turned out to be just a whole praise and worship service of what the church can do if they, they stink and rise up and, and break out of their silence and um, risk getting involved politically. So that's a little bit of the, the story there. That's good. Okay. There's a few starting points I want to dig into. So first of all, real quick is on your end is the, uh, um, you look a little gritty on your end. Is it, is it, uh, I'm just making sure it's, I got, I got full service here on mine, but 
No, it records you live Next. and then puts you it puts your high def up and what okay. we're seeing right now is not the not the the best picture. It's not the Got finished it. Okay. picture. Got it. And now I have to do a recording note at point at no at minute seven because AJ just <laughs> Or we could just include it. No, that would never that would never that would never do. <laughs> We're going to go live. We're going to do it live. Do it live. Do it live. Okay. So I, I, I two follow-up thoughts immediately. Um, the first follow-up thought is, I, I, AJ, I kind of want to clarify for everybody, you know, on, on a signal feed in our church dialogue, um, one of the churches that I'm in, involved with, you know, someone said, these conversations aren't political. They, they're they just, and they didn't know how to articulate it. And it's like, no, these, these conversations are, these, to get involved with these things, you do have to get involved with politics, but these are these are moral. Like the, the church is not getting political; the church is just getting moral, and that happens to be in the political sphere. And I, I think people just need to realize that um, there's this this negative connotation with making moral statements or getting involved in local government as if it's somehow. Uh, there's self-interest there, or there's, there's, uh, there's some type of negative connotation there. And the reality is, is that we're making moral statements. We're being prophetic in, in the, in the old Testament prophet way. And in the, in the, in the, in the Jesus on the sermon on the Mount salt and light way. And mm -hmm. these moral statements happen to be speaking into a political situation. And so I, I want to differentiate with that for people so that you continue to refine your thoughts because it's not that you are getting more political. It's that the government is getting less moral and they're yeah. and more political over you. Okay. Number two, I want to ask you about California law because of course, um, you guys, it seems like you took on a public awareness campaign and enough people were affected by your public awareness campaign. Could this, could this clinic have legally started up in California and uh, with no, with no legal ramifications? Like could this clinic legally start up in, in, in California? And man, if the answer to that is yes, they could, then wow, this, this campaign was very successful because they know they had yeah. no legal, they know they, they knew they had legal uh, support. Uh, go ahead and answer that question. Yeah. So I'll actually, I want to, I want to respond to both points you made, but I'll take the second point first. So um, for, I know you have a large Canadian audience and so I'm not incredibly familiar with how much they know about American politics in terms of the life issue. But so just a quick, quick, brief little history on this is, you know, Roe v. Wade uh, in 73 protected abortion all through all nine months, right? And before abortion, uh, before Roe v. Wade, you actually had states like New York that already had abortions. So that's a little, little known fact, you know, the states kind of regulated abortion in terms of their own uh, decision-making at the state level. And then Roe v. Wade basically was a federal law that protected it federally to the day of birth. And then, you know, in 93 or 94, uh, uh, 
Planned Parenthood versus Casey and the Dovey Bolton basically established this viability standard, which really had tons of loopholes because you could just basically get any medical exception by, you know, it, it was trusting the doctors to provide some medical exception that was necessary. And it really meant anything, mental st instability. So, you, so in a lot of cases, you could get late-term abortions, uh, even past viability. But what the <clears throat> the Supreme Court decision that overturned Roe v. Wade was really this question, uh, and it, it, the reason why it took a while for it to to happen was was because this was the first time we had a majority uh, conservative Supreme Court on the bench that actually heard a question challenging this viability standard. So now the question before the courts was, okay, here's a case that is trying to end, the states are trying to end abortion prior to viability, this 24 week standard. And so this question before the court was, can the states regulate abortion prior to viability? So it was a Mississippi bill that challenged a 20-week ban on abortion. And uh, the Supreme Court basically decided, we are not going to play this viability game anymore. We're just going to send the decision of who gets to regulate abortion back to the, quote-unquote, the people and their elected representatives. That that kind of is uh, complicated because people are saying the states, the states, the states, this is a decision with the states. That's true and false because everybody has the decision. All Every elected representative and the people. So there, I believe there's a federal role in protecting life. But basically, the takeaway is now states like California can allow abortion to the day of birth or states like Texas and Idaho can completely outlaw it at conception. So um, the federal kind of regulation standards are completely off and the states have full reign. So we can get into whether that's a good thing or a bad thing later, but um, for the purposes of our conversation, now we have a state like California that just passed a proposition, which was a really... a referendum in the the state constitution that enshrines abortion to the day of birth for any reason uh, and defines the the right to abortion as any individual and the state cannot uh, discriminate against that that uh, against anybody who wants to acquire abortion basically eliminating all parental rights and everything so anybody can get an abortion now you can go at 14 years old and go during school hours and get an abortion and your parents don't even have to know about it so this is the landscape we're in now uh and so since really the midterms it's it's been um it's been the law of the land, but this is, to my knowledge, has been the first late-term abortion clinic that's tried to open into California. And the, people were saying this is this is uh, conspiracy theory, and this is they'll never this Prop One doesn't doesn't protect abortion to the day of birth or third trimester abortion, and they still have the viability standard. It's it's all propaganda and lies uh, in order to get Prop One passed. And now we're seeing the proof positive. Uh, reality that Prop 1 is protected these abortion 
clinics to where clinics like DuPont now are um, openly advertising 31 week, six days abortions in California. We are having two events in Ontario, Monday, October 23rd at Trinity Bible Chapel in Waterloo and Tuesday, October 24th at Trinity Baptist Church in Burlington. We are hosting two events back-to-back, live recordings of our Liberty Coalition Canada podcast. We're likely going to shoot a Liberty Lounge that night and try to have all four of the guys, myself, Tim, Andrew, and Matt, along with some special guests, uh, live recording uh, and enjoying a live audience. So it's going to be $25 per person. Our goal is uh, with the with the fee of admission is just to cover our travel costs in order to run the events. And then of course, when we're there, we're going to be talking to you about the legal cases that we need support for. So that's event number one. The second event I want to make you aware of is our spark leadership conference. This is happening in uh, South Carolina, October 31st through to November 1st. It's a two day conference. Uh, at this conference, we're going to platform Canadian stories, uh, my story, uh, Dr. Joe Boot, Pastor Tim Stevens, Pastor Nate Wright, and of course, our lawyer, James Kitchen. We're all going to be there, and we are trying to spark the American church into flame as we testify about walking according to God's word in the context of the secular authoritarianism that you all and we all went through during COVID. So that's going to be a $50 charge for the two-day conference, and you can register at sparkconferences.org. So Canadians take the opportunity in November with the cold November rain to escape to South Carolina and join us for that. And my American friends, look at here what happens if you publicly do not reject the left wokeness and, and these satanic ideas that are taking over popular culture see what happens for yourself and then choose to be moved and move towards action. Uh, I'm reading right now abortion after 26 weeks. Um, if you're further, yep. if you're farther than 26 weeks into your pregnancy, we can still see you AJ, yep. regardless of your medical yep. history background or fetal indications. Yeah. Uh, if there's a, there's actually a, a, a tab there somewhere that actually openly says, 31 weeks, six days. Yeah. They say, look, on the learn about this three day process. And then if yeah. you click on that, it goes and talks about the, th yeah. Nope. Oh, and, and it's an, it's marketed as an abortion spa, Mike. So 10 upwards of $10,000 for an abortion. You can get aromatherapy and a abortion doula whispering sweet nothings into your ear while you um, put your child on the altar of, child sacrifice and, and, you know, let the demons hack your baby up. And so that, that is the level of, uh, insanity and just demonic stronghold that is over California. And not only is this happening, but they're actually paying people in other States to come across and flying them out, putting them up on hotels and paying for them to have their abortions. So it's, it's wild. If you're in a rural, you know, Kansas and, uh, in a state where abortion has been outlawed and you're in a maternity desert and you have some problems with your pregnancy and you can't get maternal prenatal care, 
for your baby, California won't see you. But if you want to slaughter your baby, they'll more than happy to, uh, to fly you out, put you up in a hotel and kill your baby for free. Yeah. And I think we're going to, I think, I think we're going to get to that third. I, I'm, we're going to get to a third point, everybody, where we're talking about grittiness and uh, AJ, I'll just quickly touch on it here. You know, folks, I'm looking on the website and you've got pictures of Matthew Reeves, MD, just big grin ear to ear, just, yeah. just a delightful guy. Jennifer Russo, uh, Russo just so real quick, real quick word on her, bro. So Jennifer Russo was one of the abortionists that was exposed in 2015 with David Delighton's fetal tissue uh, expose that he did. So David is a friend of mine. He, he went undercover um, and exposed a bunch of Planned Parenthood executives haggling for second trimester organs of babies. And Jennifer Russo was one of the, the ones that he exposed in those videos. And she was saying about like, she was talking about how she can try to get whole intact babies, intact specimens, but how hard it is because there's not enough dilation through the process. So it's hard to get a, a wholly intact head of a baby that they can deliver. So she's basically talking about, you know, um, partial birth abortion and altering the pro practices of, of third, second trimester labor inductions in order to get fully intact, uh, babies for, for fetal organ, uh, harvesting and, and trafficking to these middlemen who then sell the organs of these babies and the, the, the whole specimens, whole babies themselves to federal research projects. So um, that was a lovely peach of a woman who was exposed by David back in 2015. And now she's doing this with third trimester abortions. And who, who knows now that uh, the Dobbs decision arose, been overturned, you know, what type of Nazi like, experiments are we going to see now that third trimester babies are able to be to be harvested yeah and the point that i want to make is that you can i i think people think that like the biblical world was barbaric and we live in a very civilized society and the point i just want to make here and we're going to talk about greediness later because i think it's important but Technology allows you to dress a lot of people up and make it look the exact opposite of what it is in a way. A website can make anybody look just peachy, but these mm -hmm. people are turning around and they're chopping up children in their mother's wombs. And then, like you just said, AJ, they're getting caught on camera talking about trying to harvest body parts. That's, that's what these people mm -hmm. are doing. And so don't be sucked in to the smiles and, and the giggles and whatever. The, these people are likely coping with their utter evil through all types of, uh, 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 
all, ty- all types of Barbarism. evil ways to just cope with the yeah. evil that they're participating in. And so when AJ uses terms like serving your, your children up to the idol, uh, yeah, this, this is how in, in, in uh, Old Testament minaret times and, and in the Greco-Roman times, there are people who would be getting involved in these type of rituals for the same type of profit. Uh, yeah less in the name of science and more in the name of mysticism and paganism. But in reality, that's, that's what these people are doing. Okay. But it was the same, it was the same motivation though. I mean, think about it. So used to be more blatant in their, um, in their motives to, to sacrifice these children for a better future for that so that their crops could grow so that you know they could have uh, more fertility so that they could really have uh, prosperity that these demon entities would give them as they throw them their babies on the molten arms of Moloch so we, we don't do that as far as our blatant motivations anymore however it's the same motive like these federal research projects, and you can look them up, the NIH, NIAID, Fauci's name is all over this. Uh, you can literally, under the grants and research projects, you can just type in fetal tissue. And depending on the year, 70 to a million dollars, 100 mil, 70 to 100 million dollars of your federal tax money every year, if you're an American, is going to pay for the organs of children to put on federal research projects they're 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 grafting these children the humanized mice trials that that you that you heard of with the whole um with the whole covid and in the whole uh uh the whole you know pandemic and all these these trials with the vaccine um these companies are grafting uh, these organs basically onto mice and lab rats from these 24 week old children in order to do all their research and development on these mice, instead of doing humanized trials, saving them tons of money and, and literally just making, they can, uh, Regeneron developed this technology and, uh, made billions of dollars just on the patents for this technology to graft these organs onto lab, lab, uh, lab mice and rats. Uh, so these humanized trials are now taking the organs of these children. So, but what is, what is the draw that is the point is the, it's you're sacrificing these babies on the altar of pharmaceutical youth. Give me a vaccine. Give me a better drug. I will give you my baby. I will we'll sacrifice a, a remnant of our children for an exchange, a better a, a Parkinson's drug or, or, you know, better fillers uh, or stem cells for our, for our face so that you can delay the fountain of, of youth, find this pharm- pharmaceutical fountain of youth to delay the process of aging. It is the same, uh, same old things that we are, uh, that we are propagating, but it's just a, a different day and age. Oh yeah, absolutely. For sure. And, and that, that was the point in the fact that it, this would have done in the name of mysticism in order to come and in, in paganism in order to get these, uh, rewards. And now it's, it's done in the name of scientific experimentation or expediency. And, and so mm-hmm. y- you have a, you have a, a whole mechanism 
out there that you know within the world of pharmaceuticals has always been potentially uh used completely unethically with false promises being made so okay aj let's talk about the specifics though of of your of your public awareness campaign because i know a lot of people they probably get overwhelmed when they think of 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 what you did but what were like some of the very small steps or big steps in order to you know you mentioned you wrote letters and put them into the offices all all of the other medical offices in in this building uh, what what are some of the other things that you did yeah i mean just literally knocking on doors in the tenants of the the medical building and trying to speak with all of them to to raise awareness and and tell them that this is not okay and and you know getting them to sign a petition all of, and we went to the landlord, Hey, the, all these people aren't agreeing with this. And then, uh, we posted up for eight hours a day outside of their medical institution and, and said, literally just exposed to the community what was happening. We put out press releases about what, about what's happening. We, we barraged the city council and just totally raised holy hell basically. And, uh, and, when you, you say know, barrage I mean, the but, city council, like, did you get 400 people? Did you get 4,000 people to do a phone call? No. What no. Was, like, was it seven no, of you? Honestly, we just, sh we showed up with a, probably 10 people and we, it was just a constant steady practice. We, we met with every elected official. We met, even went with the, the mayor and uh, we raised the fact that this is a Jewish community and that you're targeting Jewish children. I mean, all, all of these things are, 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 uh, you have to be creative with the way that you market and, and really target this because ultimately people are motivated at the end of the day by money. And so you have to find the way to influence their pocketbooks. And if you put enough pressure to, to, um, affect their bottom line, you will be effective. And so that's really what it's all about, I think, is is trying to be strategic and trying to be creative in terms of uh, how how to leverage the these people and what they care about to end up preserving righteousness and preserving uh a civilization uh, in the moral underpinnings and foundation that girds society. And so, but it's, it is interesting, Mike, because I've had to be so creative as to how I can get this church involvement together because of the, because of, and you hit it on the head, right, right. When you said it. it's like, this isn't political and we, we have to pay, make these caveats where, where to me, it's like, is politics like a bad word now? Like are Christian, like when did we buy this, this understanding or this, when, when do we t take the bait that politics is something that Christians shouldn't be involved in, you know? And I think that's part of the reason why the other side has been so good at silencing the church because we, we really, I mean, up to recent times have been the majority in America. And so the left knew that in order to pass all of this wickedness and get 
places of power overcome is by silencing the church. And so it's, it's interesting. Like when I have an event and I have to, I want to get the church out there. I can't call it a protest because nobody, nobody will come, you know, I have to call it, um, instead of protest, it's, it's, uh, being prophetic, <laughs> you know, I have to dress up the same type of actions in biblical terminology because it's the same thing, right? Like the prophets of old were other, they were literally people that protested. <laughs> they, they, I mean, think about the, even the old Testament. I mean, we would never do this and I don't and, and condone it, but such radical type of protests that they did. I mean, God called, was it Elijah to hack up a prostitute and send him into the different parts of Israel? You know, I mean, that's, man, that's way more, that's way more gritty and, and, uh, and crazy than I would ever, I would ever do obviously. Uh, but that's what God called. He was just this social stigma raising awareness campaigns with these huge pictures of like, this is what you are doing. Wake up, um, get involved. You know, so I, I think w the number one thing that we need to to battle against is just erecting these categories of this is this type of engagement is evil because it looks like you're not being nice, and so um, I, I think people need to wake up that they're in a holocaust. And how would you act if you were in 1920s, 1930s Germany and you knew that they were killing Jews? Like how, how would you behave in a day-to-day -day in Germany? What would you do? How would you present yourself? What type of things would you get involved with to take down this horrible regime? Or if you were in, you know, 18... Um, hundreds slavery days, like, you know, and, and you knew that you're, you had this, this horrible practice of selling uh, human beings into the slave trade and, and like, how would you behave? And so how would you behave if there's five-year-olds that are being dismembered? And so if we really believe that this is a Holocaust of unborn human image bearers of God, then we ought to live our lives in the same way uh, to love your neighbor as you would if it's yourself or your son and daughter. Yeah. And uh, my comment on the fact of this not being political is I think when, I think when people hear political, um, they think partisan and they think party and they think I've got to sign up for the whole kit and caboodle to make a statement. Um, and what I'm trying to, the, the only reason why I'm trying to clarify that is like, you're not actually like, you're not actually going out and raising memberships for any political part. You're, you're simply going down yeah. either to these local doctor's offices and saying this clinic is, is, is evil. It's immoral. And it should not be beside you. And then you, you, you might be going into a political building, but you're, you're not going there as a, as a political, um, 
as a political operative for a party. The church yeah. can operate and ought to operate in many of these cases as just being the moral voice. Now, that means some people out of that are going to then get into uh, politics proper and and become either, you know, in Canada, members of parliament or in the, in the U.S., congressmen and cong congresswomen. But the church has a huge space to affect public policy mm -hmm. and you don't have to sign your life over to the next election. That that's the, that's the point I was trying to make. And yeah. I think Christians ought to learn that even though if a church wanted to, you know, the individuals of, of, of certain congregations wanted to get completely into Senate Senator races and things like that. I, I think that's fantastic, but we, we at least AJ, what you're just talking about need to understand these categories and understand our responsibility to speak into them because you know you know you were asking that question i'm going to tell you you're you know you're asking that question about what would i act you know 1930s or in the 1800s and i'm thinking most most people would be like yeah kill them like as, as, as long yeah as long as as long as i'm nice and the soldiers aren't at my door like uh Go after the trade unionists and and go after the Down syndrome children and go after the Jewish yeah. people. Like I, 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 so so the church has been duped in the past. The church has been weak in the past because we're human beings tempted to do nothing, and we need to get out there and do something. And this story in Beverly Hills is very helpful for people uh, to be to be able to just hear like ten people knocking on doors going, going, uh, uh, to certain offices and, and making statements. So AJ, I want to wrap up yeah. this st story. I want to move on. But the one thing I do want to know is what was your time frame there? Was that, was that like a two month solid commitment? Was that a month solid commitment? Was that 15 days? What was it? We, we worked on it for about six months, but the first six months was really, uh, just behind the scenes, not much in your face, not much present in the moment type of physically being at the facility we ended up so that was about a month and a half uh do we we organized a survivors of the abortion holocaust is the group that that organized it with some help with some other organizations as well but we organized an activist house in in uh la where about 10 activists live there. Uh, we raised uh, kind of money and, and got for a summer project for some of these college students, got them involved, and then just literally got them every day going out and, and just raising awareness in, in Beverly Hills. And that's, I think, was the linchpin that kind of got us over the, the hump there to actually get them to, to, to shut, the, shut it down. Okay. All right. So that's good. So that gives everybody a picture of what you can do. If you want to emulate what AJ is doing in that type of stuff, you can do that in the U S you can do that in Canada. Um, there's, I think there's greater protective, uh, boundaries in Canada as to where you can and cannot be. So you might want to be aware of that, mm -hmm. but certainly these are things that you can do, uh, in order to eradicate uh, clinics in your well, area. Well, and, and just real quick too, I know you want to move on, but I, I think there's this, there's this understanding because even the, the churches that do get involved, I'll ask a pastor to, 
to get involved or, or to, for his congregate, to send his congregation out. And there are a lot of the people that are the most well-intentioned and, uh, involved in this movement, unfortunately think that they've done everything that they can do just by supporting a local pregnancy resource center. And so it's, it's crazy how many pastors just instantly tell me, oh, I don't want to get involved with that because of the, because it's, it's, it's gritty and it's, it's not pretty. It, you know, it's, it's hard to stand outside with a sign and say, look, you're doing this. You know, it's hard to be like Christ and flip over tables metaphorically in the temple. Um, cause that's not, it won't win friends and, and quote unquote influence people in this, in the strategic well, uh, it really will. It really will. It, it really will. But pastors need to stop believing that lie that it won't. It's a lie that they accept mm -hmm. to say that if you're confrontational, you won't win souls. And it that's just a lie because what is repentance? Repentance is being confronted with my sin and yeah. repenting, turning away from it and acknowledging the mercy that I received from God through the Lord Jesus Christ mm -hmm. on his cross and as he returns as my king. So yeah, th 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 this idea, th that's the problem. The problem is most pastors think that the way to get people saved is for them to like you and your skinny jeans and your, you know, Americanos and your cafe, cafe lattes and yeah, not yeah. to be the prophet uh, like John the Baptist, like Isaiah standing out, uh, standing out in the loincloth looking like a bear. Um, and, well, and, and, two, and really two things about that. It's like one, um, you, you can't like, uh, if, if imagine, imagine if we were in Nazi Germany and imagine that, that we could end the Holocaust simply by, um, by putting people under the floorboards of our house. It's like in that, and like, look, I, Pregnancy resources are resource centers are incredible, right? And and helping women, being on the supply side, trying to dis dissuade women from having abortions and pr pr providing resources for women in need is great, right? But that's that's kind of like the underground railroad. Like let's let's not pretend that we can actually end slavery by just focusing on the underground railroad. It would have never ended. You need William Wilberforces. You need um, William Lloyd Garrisons. You need people that actually go into the places of power, challenge them really, and just confront them on the sin that America is being engaged in and try to affect change. It's not fun. It's hard work you're going to get spit on. You're going to get kicked. You're going to get attacked. I mean, I've been attacked several times. I've been spit on the girls coming hawk huge freaking loogies right in my face. It's not fun, but it's part of the gospel because what's necessary to preach the gospel is to call America out on her sin and preach repentance. And so, um, we ought not to really, um, erect these kind of categories by which it's like, okay, just preach the gospel and not, not, uh, talk about the gospel of the kingdom. And, and Christ talked about both. And even in the old Testament, the, the Kings of Israel, they were, they were, um, 
ridiculed by God by by for by not tearing down the high places, even good kings. They said this this king did what was right in the sight of the Lord, but he didn't take down the high places. And it's like it got to the point where God was like, I'm sick of your worship. I'm not going to listen to you anymore. I'm not going to plead. I'm not going to listen to your prayers. Your worship and your sacrifices are like putrid to me. And it was because they did not plead the cause of the orphan and the widow. And who is more orphaned and widowed in our day than the unborn child who has no father to protect them and their mother is literally paying assassin to dismember or poison them in the womb? And so I really feel like until the church gets gets her act together and and really realizes that this is intimately connected to the heart of God and is connected to the heart of the gospel uh, that you know God will not be pleased with us. Hey friends, I'm happy to talk to you again about Rocklink Investment Partners. With inflation at 40-year highs and economic stagflation on the horizon, Growing and preserving your hard-earned capital is of utmost importance. I know it's on my mind. And that's why Rocklink Investment Partners are so essential because they understand the investment challenges of today. Rocklink is an independent investment management firm focused solely on creating portfolios of high-quality businesses anchored to the time-tested principles of value investing and they do not shy away from essential businesses that do not meet the world economics forms dis- definition of ESG. So email rocklink at info at rocklink.com. That's rocklink with a C or visit them at www.rocklink.com. And again, that's link with a C. I'm trying to think about how to respond to that. I, I, I agree with you so much, AJ. And I have to admit to everybody that I am battling even in my own heart. Cause I know AJ, what you mean by getting spit in the face um, in, in the sense that I don't know it in this particular context, but I, mm-hmm. I know what it's like to receive that accusation. And in, in many respects, you know, when you go through it and you go through it so many times, you, you toughen up to it and it's, it's not that problem. But I, but I, I truly in my heart right now, as you're talking, I'm thinking, will we get this? Like, will we really get what AJ is saying? Will, will, is my heart stricken? Well, what am I doing tomorrow? Where, 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 you know, what are we, what are we going to do about this immediately? And, and as I struggle with that personally, I just want to add to your challenge that the church is so off kilter with its public, its lack of public um, combat and public witness. It just, Mm -hmm. we are so off kilter. We really think that Mm -hmm. if we can just have little shows in our church little games in our church. If we can just keep the children of our church entertained, then the, then the yeah. kingdom of God will come. And it is, it is not that it is the kingdom of God manifesting itself through the believers yeah. of the Lord Jesus Christ, raising godly families to go out into the world. And as generations stand together as the prophets of old. So, so everybody, if yeah. you're sitting there going and feeling convicted by AJ's directness, 
uh, I w- let that conviction set in because I think the questions you've asked, I think the vast majority of North American Christians would, would if they were honest with themselves, well, what, what happened during COVID? The vast majority of them just said, okay, like whatever. And so I, I think that we're still feeling this, okay, whatever mentality. And um, that that receives the judgment of God, people. Like AJ, you're you're absolutely mm-hmm. right on with that. Um, okay, I want to I want to maybe give some examples of this grittiness because because basically that's what that's what you're you're talking about it being willing to be to be gritty and to be um, prophetic, really. And, and what that what that means is to be misunderstood as a troublemaker. To be misunderstood mm-hmm. as as a troublemaker. And so you've done yeah. some things, even satire. And then you mentioned Walgreens, mm-hmm. and I want to end the show by by talking about this. So I'm going to play a clip from you on YouTube. This is called um, Pro Choice. Man, <laughs> this this is quite quite the uh, quite the transition, man. Well, I've been trying to transition for thirty minutes, and yeah, you're, sorry, you're staying sorry. on this one point, which is fine because I think I think the challenge you just gave the church is really deep. Like we're we're under yeah. we're we are under the judgment of God. Like, and it's not it's yeah. not them. Like they're under the judgment of God too. But if the church doesn't start dealing with the ethical and moral idolatry. And the high yeah. places of our nations, we will. It will be us uh, that the Lord is not pleased with, and he, and he is already not well, pleased with us. So, okay, look, and, so, and let me let me give you a quick like ten second segue into satire. Okay, here. fine. Okay. So you you might you might think the the person. Um, you know, we went from a really heavy topic about like being prophetic and, and raising awareness and all of this. And then you're going to play a, a satire video of me actually engaging in um, comedic satire as it, and you're, you, the, the listener might think, wow, these things are not connected at all, but actually they are because you think about Elijah um, and he's, he's going against the prophets of Baal right and he's um he has that the whole the whole uh, uh altar that he he douses with water right well first he actually gives the the op- the the opportunity to these prophets of baal to like call down fire you know and then their gods don't respond and he's like what what do you, is your is your dog is your god taking a crap and so he's using this mockery in satire in order to uh really mock the other side and show that their gods won't deliver them and and uh really engage in in this type of mockery of the the position of the other people and so um I think they're one and the same. It's not just prophetically calling out them because they're sin, but also engaged in in comedy and satire to to expose the other side and to um, really mock evil. So satire is a very logical way of um, taking someone's arguments or statements to their logical end. And, yep. and it is – this is why stand-up comedians are powerful because they often mm-hmm. just say what's really going on in people's minds. And that 
in and of itself is, oh, that's humorous. I've thought that. Wow, I'm that shallow. But that totally. really good stand-up humor, like you know, my son and I are rewatching all of the uh, all of the years of Seinfeld. A, a really good sitcom takes that to its logical absurdity, and you go, okay, mm -hmm. I've literally been that absurd, and that's what it looks like, and it 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 ends with that. Okay, so I, yeah. I agree with you. Satire is a place that has a place in 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 discourse. And sometimes it's your yeah. only place in discourse when people are just dealing with self-righteousness. And, and the Elijah oh. example is a, a, a great example of that. So here we go. We are – I've not watched this clip, everybody. I saw this online and I said, I have no idea what AJ is doing. I don't know what's happening. I'm going to ask him when he's on the podcast next. So here we go. This is pro-choice men. So here we are. Thank you for marching. Oh, that's called the song. This is my body. Keep your roof off my wallet. I'm just trying to be consistent in a, in a man's world. Thank you for marching, ladies. Keep it up. Your body, my wallet. Your body, your problem. Consent to sex is not consent to love you. Consent to sex is not sent consent to take care of your little thing, that, that little thing rolling around the ground. Like, babies are gross. I don't want to take care of that. I'm pro-choice. Have a good day, sir. Thank you. Abortion rights are my rights. Oh, are my oh. rights. Thank you. I don't know why she's upset with me. I'm, I'm marching for her rights. Your body, your camera. There she comes. She hates me. Multiple times. Your womb off my wallet, your body, your problem. I'm part of the pro-choice men of America. We, we, we don't have a website yet, but it's um, you can contact us just by, by using the hashtag, um, pro, hashtag pro-choice men. You're with me. You're with me. Keep your laws off my wallet. I don't want to pay for your little rugrats. Child support laws are part of the patriarchy. Your body, your problem, man. You don't have a say on my body. I don't want to take care of your little kid, so just kill it. Just kill it. Just don't kill your kid. Don't make me pay for it. You're approaching me like you're CIA or something. Are you some kind of a police authority? If you're telling me what to do with my body, that seems pretty uh, hypocritical. You look very menacing. I will give you that. But please don't tell me what to do with my body. My body, my choice. Dude, I'm just trying to get my message across. It's called free speech, baby. Yeah, you can walk away too if you wanted to, but I'm not going to tell you what to do with your body. You don't tell me what to do with mine. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm asking you, I'm asking you to uh, not engage with me if you don't want to. Bye. If you can kill what's in your home because it's your body, then I can keep my money because it belongs to me.
Man, that was an amazing women's march. AJ Hurley out here with pro-choice men, hashtag pro-choice men. Pro-choice rights are women's rights and women's rights are men's rights. Without apology. So, all right, you're being chased around by this woman. And I, an 80 year old woman hitting me with their sign. Yeah, yes. And absolutely. it's going to get worse. I know. Um, okay. But it, so explain this to me. So number one, I, so I have, I have three questions. Number one, what's, what's, what's the, what's your consistent message, your satirical message in that, that is obviously getting people to be confused. Number two, are they at all just knowing who you are and then reacting to just who you are, knowing that it's you? Uh, and and number three, how bad how bad does it get when people realize you're a pro lifer uh, trying to undermine what they're doing? Well, the the media knew who I was because they had seen me at other rallies before uh, in DC. I, I crashed that just for those. A little context that I crossed the the women's march in DC, the the pro choice women's march, and I had a t shirt on. Obviously, you could say that see that I just basically went in as the founder of the pro choice men of America, and uh, with a t shirt that said uh, "Keep your womb off my wallet" or or uh, say I'm sorry, say say no to child support is what I said. Okay, so what uh, is so <laughs> What, what is that? The essence of that satire, like what keep your womb off of my the essence of the satire is to, to prove one thing that abortion creates a culture of irresponsible men that don't take uh, responsibility for the product of their sexual choices, a men that are toxic and only after women for their bodies and sexual their personal selfish sexual gratification and um are basically that you know uh that pro choice women's rights and toxic men's rights quote unquote are really uh two sides of the same coin that if you if you stick if you're standing up for uh, abortion uh, on demand. If you're uh, abortion culture, then you're really creating a culture of of toxic men uh, who don't take responsibility, that are, are selfish, and um, are just deplorable and, human beings. And if I'm if I'm breaking that down in my own brain, there are men who will actually pressure women to have abortions so that the children are not affecting their wallets. Let's yeah, go have, oh, absolutely. Let's go have utter irresponsible sex without love only with lust. And the byproduct of that is, is you kill what's in you in order to not cost me anything. Is that, that's the, that's the satire. Absolutely. And so you take all of the pro-choice talking points, like my body, my choice, and then you take them to their logical end and then present them a world that they've created that is unbelievably deplorable and say like this is the culture your ideology brings so then and so why so then that is so then what is it that upsets these people like like again are they um, getting upset because they actually don't like what you're saying or because they realize you're mocking yeah. them well um i think both because i actually did interviews with uh news organizations that 
because they had never seen this before. They were like, what, what in the world is your message? I don't understand. You're, you're, um, and I basically in character say, you know, well, it's, this is a men's rights movement that, that actually loves abortion. We're very happy about abortion because it's, uh, it provides us with financial liberation and freedom that, you know, but, but at the same time, we want to be consistent and push, put the, push the, uh, pro-choice women of America to their logical consistency by by actually trying to eradicate child support. Because if what's in your womb is your body, then we should also be uh, consistent and say that I, I shouldn't have to pay for the byproduct of your choices to to actually keep a child. And so you know they can't argue with the logic because it's like i don't have a say as a man even though i've created that child when you decide to go kill that child but if you decide against my will to keep it i have to pay for 18 years of child support right and so obviously as a as a pro life christian man i think that's deplorable but you're holding them to their logical con conclusions of their worldview and then presenting that for and and then kind of smiling as a pro choice uh, pro pro life person while you're doing this because they can't argue with the logic of your position but do they like their that, that's, that's what i'm like so now now just I, I, now i want i, I want to say story i want juice i want to know like do they look you in the eye and go, I know who you, I, I'm getting it now. Or are they legitimately oh, yeah. offended that you would say, how could you, how dare you attack women that way? Like you're saying both, like one it's people. Both. It's both. So you'll have women. Yeah, let, me, let, me just, let me just deal with the second scenario first. So you have women getting legitimately upset at you for saying, how dare you promote abortion like I am the murder of children for my own body. Yep. And how dare you then say, if I decide to keep it, the, the child that, that you shouldn't have to pay. You have people with moral, like, like a, a sense of moral indignation uh, yep. mad at you without realizing you're mocking them. Yes. hundred percent. Yeah. And it's that, that is the reality is they are, they want the byproduct of the Christian worldview, which is a, a culture of responsible men that do have virtue. Do exactly what women and responsibility. say. That, that, that's what they want. Yeah. They want a culture of responsible mm -hmm. men that do exactly what women say when they want it. And they want, and they don't see any inconsistency wow. in that thought. While retaining the right to murder their own. Yes, that's right. Offspring. Okay. So then what's it like when they figure out your satire? Like, is that more fun um, or are they, are they more, like, are they, I, ang are they more it. angry when they find out that you're satire or are they just more, you know? Oh yeah. They're livid angry. And, but it, it's, it is also interesting because how powerful it is. Like, I will, they'll have their chance and then that I'll go in and join them in their chance. And they're like this freaking guy, you know, and they, they stop chanting because they know that I'm mocking them in ruining their chanting. So it just, it, dude, it takes, I, I love it because it totally takes the power away from them that they think they have by just openly mocking them in, in their position and, and really the byproduct of their ideology in the culture that it creates, you're exposing it and they hate it because you know, they know you're 
they're consistent. They can't deny the logic of it. And so when you, when you are mocking their logic and the, the, the consistency they're in, they just, it, it, it puts them in a fit of rage. Um, and it's hilarious. I mean, I had, I had police officers just totally in stitches that were there to keep the, the peace. Just, I mean, I mean, cause I, there's no ends to, to the, to the level of, uh, of jokes you can make. I mean, just getting deplorable saying, Oh yeah, I, I don't, I don't, I don't believe in, in wearing, uh, condoms or any type of protection because, and then they're like, well, th that's so irresponsible of you. What? And then I'm like, okay, well, why are you telling me what to do with my body? You know, I mean, it's just it, every, every single trope, every single, type of uh, rhetoric that they have using against them. It, it's just, it's pure, pure comedy. It, it's, I shouldn't enjoy it so much to be honest with you, but um, I really, it's fun to make fun of people who think child killing is okay. And we need to like, we, we need to wrap this up and, and talk about Walgreens for a minute, but that, that people do need to hear that AJ, like, like uh, I feel like a part the reason why you might enjoy it is because um you, you just get a thicker skin and 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 what you know as you were describing the situation people you need to listen this is this is your next door neighbor out holding a sign to promote baby murder who will yeah. come over to your house and still take care of your kids they they're, they're utterly inconsistent they are believing yeah. a complete lie they likely don't even know what happens in an abortion because they're like because they refuse to educate themselves i want to say i don't want to say they're uneducated they're willfully ignorant and so think of the opportunity that you have Maybe you do not need to be as in character as AJ is, but when you're sitting at home having dinner and they're over and you hear about this type of stuff, it deserves your bravery and your courage to say, to confront the evil. Yeah. That, that, that's well, that's and, what and this does. And if you're comfortable with the humor, which with both, both AJ and I are, then – yeah. Go humor. If you're the type of person that hears yeah. about abortion and starts crying, then let them see your tears. Let like this is the mm -hmm. body of Christ preaching the application of scripture. You don't have to be an AJ Hurley. You don't have to be a Michael Teeson. You have to take the maybe you're the most sincere, thoughtful, kind person in the world. Then go and sincerely and thoughtfully and kindly heap coals upon their head. But it has to yeah. include this abrasive message that what they're doing is promoting murder and they're mm -hmm. being completely inconsistent. So, well, the other, the other side is always going to dress child killing up in something other than what it is. They're going to paint it as women's rights, women's empowerment, um, choice, all of these things that, that, that really obfuscate and lie about the fact that their 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 ideology is is protecting the the brutal dismemberment of human image bearers of God, and so um, for far too long have we played nice and actually engaged them on some type of grounding where they're we're actually entertaining their ideas as if it's somewhat consistent with progress, you know, and trying to like, and I'm saying we ought not, 
there's a place for not even engaging them, but actually just exposing them and ridiculing the ideology that is demonic that thinks it's okay to kill a baby. You know what? And we so, do this. Um, we do this all the time. We we would do this all the time if it was like uh, you were a if I was a Blue Jays fan, and someone else was a like a Cincinnati Reds fan. Like we'd have no yeah. problem pointing out like the stats and and all of the stuff or just like the yeah. flat flat brimmed hats. What's that? Like can we re can we yeah. return to you know curved hats and be men about this rather than flat brimmed boy hats of this new generation? Like we would do that for all yeah. of these things. Okay, AJ, let's wrap it yeah. up with Walgreens. So just tell us a little bit about what happens with Walgreens because this gets to this point of being gritty. And so everybody, you need to know that AJ is partly on the podcast today. We talked about this before we started shooting. AJ is partly here to convince you and to convince me that instead of believing that non-confrontation and non-grittiness works – to actually accept the idea that confrontation and gritty confrontation does actually work. So AJ, tell us about yeah. Walgreens and we're going to wrap this up in about five minutes. Okay. And, and just to, just to clarify, um, a lot of people, when they find a tool, they, they, everything's a hammer and they're a hammer and everything's a nail. Right. And so this is, this is not, the only type of thing we must be doing, right? And so gritty, in-your-face type of activism is not for everybody and it's not for every um, context, but it is a tool and and not a tool that belongs to Satan, right? It, it's a tool that the prophets used um, and a tool that Christ used in order to wake people out of their slumber and God in Christ didn't use that tool always. So, you know, he, he, he saw, he sees this Samaritan woman, he has a gentleness and compassion and love, but then he calls prophetically calls out the, uh, the Pharisees as whitewashed tombs. And so, um, what I'm trying to say is, is that this is a tool that the church has abandoned for far too long, thinking that being winsome and um, comfortable is the way to win the culture war. And, and it is a war for the culture. And you yeah. use two good words there, winsome and comfortable, because that's really what yeah. a lot of this is. And just so you know, I think, I think AJ, I don't want to jump on that really quick. Yeah. So what AJ is asking you is just don't shoot him in the back. Because that's what happens to a lot of frontline culture warriors or individuals who are yeah. willing to use yeah. this tactic. The church, out of their desire for comfort, just won't own them. In fact, I've said that many times. Yeah. I've said, look, I don't expect everybody to be out here and say what I say and take the hit that I'm taking. But just, just, don't, just don't discard me. Like, own me. Say, yeah, that Tyson, he's a donkey. I get him. Uh, sometimes I don't yeah. like him. But he's my, he, he's one of ours. And, and if the church would only do that, would only say, yeah, Hurley, I don't get everything he does. Uh, that's like, okay, but, but he's a hundred times better than what you're promoting. We, we have to, we have to own each other. And, uh, you mm -hmm. know, especially when we're not, especially like emphatically, we have to own each other when we are mm -hmm. standing up biblically for something as important as the yeah. as 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 adhering to the 
uh, sixth commandment, you know, like this is, this yeah. is important stuff. Okay. Just Walgreens. Well, and far too, you have two minutes. Yeah. Okay. And f- real quick, far too long. We've thought that stuff like MLK was doing stuff like Gandhi, these, these, like these people who are raising social tension and, and pushing against the status quo, even breaking unjust laws. We thought that that was a tool, uh, of the left in that, but really the, the left was just doing stuff that really the, the prophets and the people of the scripture have been doing forever you know? And so, uh, like, like, uh, Daniel breaking unjust laws that said, you can't pray, you have to pray to, you can't pray to any other God than, um, than the King. And so, um, I think what we've been doing in raising social tension and putting pressure on the abortion industry, um, is something that, is obviously is just a tool and it's not for everything, but it, it should be something that we as a church take back. And so, and it's, and the bottom line is it's effective. So, um, the, the FDA just relaxed safety standards that allowed, um, regular run of the mill pharmacies to dispense the abortion pill. So the question now is what is Walgreens and CVS and all these, place is going to get on board and dispense the abortion pill or not. And so I really just started planning this campaign to just take a strategic approach and put pressure on one of the, uh, the major pharmacies that I, I knew was going to produce and, and potentially go dis- distribute this pill. And so, um, I just, started getting super gritty, targeted, and um, just planned a whole strategy as to how to take this down, to put as much pressure as we can on them. Um, we went to their crashed board meetings. We crashed um, shareholder meetings. Um, and we put enough pressure on Walgreens to where they cited our activism as one of the reasons why they were no longer going to plan to distribute the abortion pill in half of the states of America um, because we affected their bottom line. And so uh, it just goes to show you that pushing back and raising enough um, pressure on them can be very effective in, in producing a result. When you say crash board meetings and stuff, are are you talking about the same type of protest grittiness or are you talking about just like tactfully showing up and being like, like you're there, they know you're there. What are you doing when you're there? Well, uh, I think the, the thing that really put a lot of pressure on them uh, was making their executives uncomfortable. So I don't know if you have a uh, three minutes, but I can tell a quick story of what yeah, we did no, with Walgreens because I, okay. because I, I, so we found that. out their shareholder meeting was going to be held at a five-star resort in, uh, in Newport beach at, uh, the Pelican Hill resort. And we knew that we would never be able to 
attend because there was everybody was counted that we had to so you know part of the problem is like in order to have a protest you have to advertise for the protest in order to advertise the protest they know you're going to come and so i advertised to cr- basically protest the walgreens shareholder meeting and uh so we had a couple hundred people there and we we pro we did we planned this like on a week's notice but uh i knew that there would be tons of security guards and we couldn't be actually able to go into the shareholder meeting and cause a ruckus and so uh what i did was i rented a hotel room uh at the the resort and had a few of my friends meet us the the night before at at the the bar at the 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 resort and because i knew that there wouldn't be security yards that night and so you know you're i'm a paying customer there so and and we have a hotel room there so we're not trespassing and uh so i had them meet me there the night before uh we found out where the the board meeting the shareholder meeting was going to be held and I had two of my friends sleep underneath the stage for eight hours. And um, we we planned a literally disruption and calling them out, not for everybody. I get it, Mike, you know, but uh, we waited till halfway through their board meeting was up and or their shareholder meeting was up and they just started discussing the abortion pill. And what ended up happening, we had a time that, that we're going to go out. They, they texted me and, uh, they came out, popped uh, out behind the stage, called everybody out. And for an hour, we just shut their whole board meeting down. All those executives had to leave. Um, they had no clue how we got in and, um, and then, but because it was such a liberal area and they didn't want the, uh, the negative press, they wouldn't trespass us because, you know, they have to ask us to leave in which I said, we kindly will leave if you just ask us to leave. But because they didn't want the bad press, they would not tell us that they were going to, pre- uh, to trespass us. And so what ended up happening was we're saying, okay, well, we'll just, we're just going to continue to, to protest here. And then we ended up marching everybody, all 150 people out from outside into the Pelican Hill resort and had a sit in protest and literally shut their entire, um, shareholder meeting down, all of their executives had to leave. And it was enough to where their executives were like, okay, I'm done with this. Let's just capitulate and not, not, uh, distribute the abortion pill. And so because of that, half of the States of America, uh, in the most pro-life States, uh, they, they, two weeks later, they said that, that, they announced the decision and cited us as the main, one of the main reasons why, why they were not going to, uh, distribute the pill. And so, I mean, that act alone, who knows how many babies that, that saves. Right. And so, um, you know, that's something that's very uncomfortable for most Christians. Um, but at the same time, are we living in a Holocaust or are we not? Yeah, that's, um, that's, uh, that's some, that's some real behind enemy lines type stuff. And 
I, I put it in that situation. I, I put it in that metaphor because it really is behind enemy lines. You know, you brought up the, we, we brought up the second world war a number of times. And I, I just think that once the, you know, once the, once the call to war began, it was real war. Yeah. Like once, once the just line was established, it was a true war, a war where, a war where many moral men took the lives of other people in order to save, um, in order to save the 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 known world from just complete inv invasion, and um, this is a real war we're in. So AJ, I I think even as you admit that, as you as you say that, look, this is not for everybody. This is really gritty. Um, we're at war. And we're at war with people who are murdering babies in the context of sitting in a fine hotel, arguing probably over profit and shareholders and not even thinking about the question of killing human life. So I praise God for what you're doing. I hope that your example um, in uh, – uh, leads the way for a number of the next generation or, or, or folks who are just listening to, to, to get involved. I think you've rightly said it's not for everybody. And, 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 you know, people do have to accept the consequences of this type of protesting, you know, like many of us still in Canada have to return to court in the fall for, for what we've done. A family just had to pay $35,000 for running a protest. This is costly stuff. But um, the cost. But you know what's what's more costly is is actually remaining silent. That's right. And because if if we don't if we don't get involved and if we don't really buck up and start pushing back, the the alternative is is way more costly. I can I can I can guarantee you that. I mean, we're at the point, especially you know your listeners are no. No surprise to this that parental rights. I mean, if, if this is literally at the state state where a stake where you your kids can be on the verge of being taken away because you won't affirm their pro, pro, pronouns, and so uh, the time to wake up is now. And you know, if we don't if we don't wake up soon and and really act like our lives depend on it, our children's lives depend on it, then. Um, man, we are, we are going to be, our freedom is going to be completely taken away and we're all going to be in, in prison. We're going to have nothing left. I just want to return people to the thought that you originally started with, and God will be against us. His hand will be against his people who are being unfaithful. And so folks, I hope that this has been thought provoking. It sure has been for me. I'm going to go home and talk to Sarah about what we need to do as a family and as a local church. Uh, even as I talk to guys like AJ and a number of these other um, pro-life freedom fighters. And uh, we, we do this in the name of Christ. And uh, folks, I, I really hope that this has stirred you up. Thanks for listening. Share this video out as far and wide as you can. The church needs to hear these types of messages. Thanks, AJ. And everybody, Godspeed. <laughs>